Hey everyone, this is Adam Ellenboss from Nightlight Astrology, and today we are going to talk about why Jupiter and Venus are quietly a really big deal right now. I don't think most people are going to pick up on or notice the fact that Venus and Jupiter are doing some really important things, uh, and so I felt like this would make for a really good topic. And also, I'm doing this because I think it's going to be a good way for us to fill out some of the transits that we've been looking at this week, including the Sun and Mars going through their square to Saturn. Um, by looking a little bit more carefully at the scheme of essential dignities and the way that those dignities are reflected in the sky right now, it turns out that Jupiter and Venus have a lot to do with what's going on. So we're going to kind of unpack that, explain why they're such a big deal, and give you some things to think about that will hopefully be useful. All right, that's our agenda for today. As always, don't forget to like and subscribe, share your comments and reflections. It all really helps the channel to grow. And as you guys know, you can find a transcript of any of my daily talks on my website, nightlightastrology.com. We are also on day four of our uh, 10th annual Kickstarter. And so our goal this year is to raise the support of 1,777 backers by New Year's Day. Our last, uh, last full day of fundraising is New Year's Eve into New Year's Day. Um, but this year, our goal is 1,777 backers. That's just a little bit better than what we did last year. So we're always just trying to grow our audience a little bit, grow the support for grow support for the channel. And um, I'm going to tell you how you can go over and donate and pitch in and support this channel. You can find the link. Here's the link, but that's a long list of letters and figures. So you can find the link in the comment section or the description of this video. And when you click on it in the comment section or the description, it's going to take you over. And I'm just showing you a preview of the uh, Kickstarter campaign right now. But there's the preview screen. It takes you over to the Kickstarter. And when you scroll down, you can also see all of the rewards we offer when you donate and support the channel. Um, you can find that there are there's a calendar of all of the major transits I'm tracking in the year ahead, so you'll know what's coming. There is an astrology of 2024 special video that I don't release on the YouTube channel that's all about the major transits throughout the entirety of the year ahead. And then I look at uh, Alex and I made 12 uh, rising or sun sign horoscope. So if you want to get a lengthy video unpacking all of the major transits for your sun or rising sign for the year ahead, you could pick that up when you donate. My new book, The Oracle Speaks, is available as an early release. We're releasing it chapter by chapter in audio and text files. So you can uh, hear me reading the book uh, as like a storytelling kind of experience, or you can read it. And there's two chapters released so far. They're being released one new chapter every month. Uh, you can see any of the talks that I've done, like um, these are all four-part masterclass series on the moon cycle, cycles of Venus and Mercury, uh, zodiacal releasing, which is an ancient timing technique, temperament and personality in the birth chart. And then I have some readings. You can ask three horary questions throughout any time throughout uh, 2024. There's a mini reading where I look at your birth chart and, and personally record for you what I think your biggest transit of the year is. And then we have probably our best deal, which is all of our class bundles. You could get 2023 or 24 masterclass series bundled together, Roots and Spheres, which is our monthly moon circle. We'll repair uh, plant teachers with um, our exploration of the astrology every month. And then you can also get uh, bundles of my online training programs. We have four years worth of curriculum, year one, year two, year three, and introduction to horary. Those classes are 50% off. If you bundle them, they get even, um, you, you save even more. Our 10th anniversary uh, special is a four class pass. We ran this last year. People really asked, please bring it back. So we did kind of put it under the banner of uh, celebrating our 10th anniversary of doing the Kickstarter. 
Um, so if you want to pick up really great discounts on all of the programs I offer, you can take them whenever you want. You can have them as credits. You can share them. If you want to take two classes and give two to a friend, we're fine. If you want to break it up a little bit like that too, uh, as gifts for you know the holidays or something like that. Anyway, when you support the Kickstarter, you're supporting some really cool things. I mean, first and foremost, all of the programs that we offer are um, provided with need-based tuition models and flexible pricing. That has worked now for 10 years because of this Kickstarter. Uh, the Kickstarter acts as a major sale for the programs and also as a way of supporting the channel, obviously. And because that kick, the Kickstarter does well, we don't have to have any kind of bottom line as a business. We just allow people to take the course at the price that they want. And that happens because of this Kickstarter. Two, it supports a staff of people. There are 11 staff at Nightlight that uh, support um, all of our projects, but a lot of that support is needed for me to take three to four hours a day to prepare, plan, uh, actually um, uh, create, and then disseminate my daily talks. So there's a ton of effort that goes into producing this show five days a week. And uh, there's a staff of people that you're supporting to support the channel uh, when you pitch into the Kickstarter. And then obviously this is a part of how I earn my living. So you're supporting me and my family as an astrologer. I so hope that you'll check out the Kickstarter. Again, link is in the description or the comment section of this video. Go over, pick up a reward. I hope that you value um, this channel and that it gives you something good. And if it does, I hope you'll consider pitching it and supporting us. Okay, so on that note, we are now going to talk about why sort of low-key Jupiter and Venus are a really big deal right now. Um, they are, and it's kind of surprising. You wouldn't think necessarily that this is the case, but let's take a look at the real-time clock, and I'll try to explain why. I'm going to give you 11 reasons why Jupiter and Venus are a big deal right now, and then what do we do with that? So um, let me see. i got to get my, my pen. Where's my pen? Oh, there it is. Okay. All righty. So first of all, um, when you look at the sky at the moment, this is important. We're looking at it from the standpoint of classical aspects, which are trines, sextiles, squares, oppositions, or uh, conjunction. A conjunction actually wasn't considered an aspect. It had its own sort of special category. But uh, nonetheless, when you look and you see that there aren't really any aspects right, being formed. And forget the moon because the moon moves so quickly. We're just looking at the other traditional planets. And I've excluded the, the um, modern outer planets for the sake of looking at the dignities. The ancient dignity scheme is really appropriate for the seven traditional planets, but not the outer planets. So you look and you see that there aren't any aspects forming by degree with these planets. Um, and Venus doesn't see Jupiter. So it's like, well, you know, there's no aspects being formed to Jupiter. So why would Jupiter be a big deal? And that's what most of us will think. And, and, you know, including myself, when I was earlier on in my studies, I would just be like, oh, well, Jupiter's not that loud in the sky right now. And look at Venus. I mean, no exact, I mean, Venus and Mercury just had a sextile, but there's no exact sextiles happening and nothing else is aspecting this. Venus doesn't see Saturn. They're averse to one another. It doesn't see Jupiter. So it's, it doesn't look like Venus is doing all that much. Of course, she is approaching the south node of the moon, and we're going to talk about that. But it's not like that Venus is super configured to other planets at the moment, uh, and neither is Jupiter. Uh, in fact, the action, as we've talked about all week, really looks like it's between these planets, Mars and the Sun squaring Saturn, which has been the story of the week that we've covered at length in several videos now. 
So you might go like, okay, well, like why would Jupiter and Venus be a big deal? Well, there's 11 reasons why. Let's go through them one at a time. One, we have to look at the dignities. Right now, the sun is in the temple of Jupiter. So it's in Jupiter's sign or Jupiter's home temple. So we have the sun in Jupiter's power. It's like a house guest in Jupiter's temple. Number two, Mars is also in Jupiter's temple, right? So now we have a little bit more emphasis on Jupiter. The ancient astrologers often looked at the temples as likened unto the planetary deity that was associated with the temple and the planetary deity was likened unto the temple. And so Sagittarius is Jupiterian and Jupiter is Sagittarian. You can think about it that way. There's a kind of affinity between the two of them. So when you have two planets like Mars and the sun in Jupiter's temple, it means that Jupiter has a lot of hosting responsibilities or hosting power right now. I mean, imagine if you had a bunch of people in your house, your hosting responsibilities would be greatly amplified. You would be, it would, you would be a really important player if all of a sudden 17 people from your neighborhood were in your house. Well, let's keep going. Turns out Mercury is in Jupiter's sign. Look at that. There we go. There's another planet in Jupiter's power. Let's go down the list. Oh, look, Saturn in Pisces is in Jupiter's feminine domicile. That's Jupiter's feminine temples. You've got kind of a watery feminine double-bodied Jupiter, and you've got a fiery masculine double-bodied Jupiter. Different aspects. All the traditional planets except for the sun and the moon had two signs, one masculine, one feminine. So now we have Saturn in Jupiter's power. Okay, all right. Well, let's keep going. If we look carefully, and I'm going to show you this, this will show you that the sun is in Jupiter's term. Now, what is a term? A term or a bound is a fifth it's a the signs are all 30 degrees and they are broken into five unequal sections that of degrees that are ruled by a planet these are called the bounds or the terms and so the first number of degrees here in uh sagittarius and i tell you the exact number but i don't have my cheat sheet handy so you'll see though that jupiter is in that section of or the sun is in that section of degrees that are also ruled by jupiter so in other words the sun is in jupiter's sign and jupiter's term or bound Keep going. Mars, well, look, Mars is right next door, so we also know that Mars is also in Jupiter's term. So we have two planets in Jupiter's term and Jupiter's domicile. Let's go forward. Uh, then we go forward a little bit more, and it turns out that when you then when you look at Jupiter, we're kind of turn an interesting corner here. Actually, let me just take this down a second. So we have we have uh, four planets in Jupiter's sign. We have th two planets in Jupiter's sign and Jupiter's term. Okay, so that's a lot of emphasis on Jupiter in the sky this week. And those two planets that are in Jupiter's sign and term are the ones squaring Saturn, who is also in Jupiter's sign. So you see how Jupiter is like hosting this encounter between the Sun, Mars, and Saturn. All right, now let's turn our eyes to Jupiter's actual position. So Jupiter, interestingly enough, is in Venus's sign of Taurus. And if you look, you can see that Jupiter is also in Venus's bound or term. Interesting. Well, let's go forward once more. Saturn is in Venus's exaltation. Pisces happens to be Venus's exaltation and Saturn 
is in Venus's term. Let me take this down so you can actually see it. There you can see. So Saturn is in the exaltation of Venus and in Venus's bound or term. Jupiter is in Venus's domicile while in Venus's term or bound. Aha. So now we're starting to see that there's also that Venus has a lot of power in the sky right now. Let's keep going and uh, kind of we're weaving some things together here. Uh, look at Venus. Venus is in her own home sign in Libra. So she's empowered. She's in her own sign. And, but look at this. She's also in Jupiter's term. She is in the term of Jupiter. So they have a form of mutual reception by term. That means that Jupiter and Venus are working together right now. And we also know that Venus has the most essential dignity of any planet in the sky at this time, and that Venus is host, uh, exaltation ruler, and bound ruler for Jupiter and Saturn. So do you see how when you start looking at the essential dignities, all of a sudden you get a clearer picture of what's actually going on. We've been looking all week at the archetypes of Sun and Mars square to Saturn. But we haven't been thinking about the fact that that dynamic is um, hosted by, or it's like it's like uh, being looked over, you know, and taken care of by Venus and Jupiter. Okay, well then it becomes very important to understand what Venus and Jupiter are doing in the sky right now. Venus is approaching a conjunction with the south node of the moon. And when Venus actually conjoins the south node of the moon, Venus will not only be in her own sign, but also will move into her own term. So Venus, again, is very powerful in the sky at this time. She's in the morning star position. She's got a kind of weighty, brilliant morning star quality. She's in her own sign. She's in her own, um, she's in her own term. And she's approaching a conjunction with the south node of the moon. And she has tremendous power right now uh, through uh, rulership and exaltation rulership over Jupiter and Saturn, who are both also in her bound. Okay. And we know that the little, the little chain of command here also tells us that Jupiter is hugely important at the moment. So both Jupiter and Venus are working together through mutual reception. Both have a lot of power, Venus slightly more. But the other thing that's happening is Jupiter is approaching its station to turn direct. So what will happen is once the sun gets closer to Capricorn, uh, this is the kind of boundary marker of, of Capricorn in this chart, but actually let me draw it a little bit differently. Let me just do it like, let's do it like this. Once the sun enters Capricorn, it'll move into a whole sign trine with Jupiter. That's 28 days from now or so. So, uh, you know, we're talking about within four weeks of right now, Jupiter will approach its station point and sit down, stop moving, and then turn direct again. For a planet in the synodic cycle, that station to turn direct with a superior planet like Jupiter is something like its third quarter moon. It's a place of having realized the fruit of a cycle and now releasing and letting go of the cycle so that something new can get started. So releasing of the fruit of a cycle so that uh, we can fully realize what we've learned and we can let go. That's what Jupiter is pointing to as it also has power over everything happening in the sky right now. While in the meantime, Venus 
is approaching the south node of the moon. And what does that represent? Well, it's right near where the eclipse was. And so we have in the sign of the harvest, we have Venus uh, tremendously empowered approaching the south node, which speaks, it sort of rings out also like the conclusion of a cycle or the revisiting of something from the past or the bringing of peace and ease and um, resolution to something that has a history. A greatly empowered benefic like Venus coming through the south node is sort of like saying, let's let the past go. Let's bring some peace or resolution to the past. Jupiter is also approaching a third quarter in Venus's sign. It's time to let go of something, something that's run its course, that's offered its fruit, that's ready to, you know, uh, fall off the tree and a, a new cycle is ready to get started from this point forward. So if you look carefully at dignities, they'll tell you a story about what's going on in the sky in more detail. So like, again, we've looked at, let me just take this all down now. We have looked carefully all week at Mars and, uh, and the sun. Whoops, here we go. We've looked carefully all week at Mars and the sun squaring Saturn. And we've said a lot, I think of pretty helpful things. But what's interesting right now is to consider the Sun and Mars's square to Saturn set against the backdrop of Venus approaching the south node, empowered as she is and working cooperatively as she is with Jupiter, who also has so much power over all the other traditional planets in the sky right now. Um, so now comes the interesting part where we say, okay, we we can understand like the chain of command, so to speak. Or we can understand like who has, who's whose archetypes are amplified as sort of these, these overarching, like the overseers of everything else that's going on in the sky. So what does that mean? How, what do we, what do we do with that? Well, the first thing that I would say is that when you look at the conflict between, you know, a, a debilitated Mercury in Jupiter's sign, the sun and Mars in Jupiter's sign, all square to Saturn and Pisces, you get, uh, to me, what comes up is, conflict around Jupiterian things. So what would that be? Political, ideological, moral, spiritual, ethical, philosophical, intellectual, but the, the uh, principles that we live by, the principles that act as the compass that orients our life. That is quite frequently what so much emphasis on Jupiter will be about. And with the sun and Mars squaring Saturn, I could see this week being about sort of rigid, principled, fixed beliefs, dogmas, doctrines that are clashing somehow and somewhere and likely in relationships or in places where, you know, some degree of political tact or social savvy is needed. You get the feeling that extreme ideas are at work right now and that Jupiter being in a Taurian, you know, like a Venusian sign and Venus being in the balance hitting the south node is asking us to look for temperance or peace or asking us to soften our stance or to look at ways we can compromise, to let go of old rigid ways of thinking or being that just don't work, to let go of internal voices that are too strict too loud, too proud, too know-it-all, too dominant, too, um, yeah, well, that's good enough. <laughs> and so 
there's um, some question right now. Is, is love and peace and harmony uh, just as important, if not more important than being right? Um, you know, the, the temptation of like self-righteousness with the, with also an underlying sense that I, I should be looking for a diplomatic solution right now. And there's tension between the two diplomacy and on the one hand and like standing firm in your convictions on the other. I think that the topic of beliefs, religion, spirituality, and romantic relationships and partnerships could easily come up right now. I think questions about how we can look for common ground with people who have very different ideas than we do. Um, there's questions also maybe about to what extent we try to keep the peace at all costs because we don't want people to think less of us or we don't want to be counted out or ostracized. We don't want to be looked down upon or we, we need that validation. But to what extent are we willing to compromise our beliefs or our principles um, for the for the sake of getting along? That, that could be just as important. Um, this also has history. The retrogradation of Jupiter approaching its station direct is that third quarter moment and Venus approaching the south node. We've been here before. We've seen this dynamic play out. It has a history. The eclipse in October maybe recently brought it up. I think of the October 14th eclipse in particular. So how do we move forward um, because it, it's, you know, sometimes I don't know that the universe issues tests as though we're being graded and moving up a ladder toward like, you know, some higher degree in spirituality. But I do think that there's something like a test that happens. I've been here before. Can I make the right mature choice right now that's reflective of what I've learned since I was here last? The fruits are also like on the vine. You know, you're going to see the Venus with the south node is so well dignified um, and Jupiter approaching its station to turn direct. Maybe something you've been waiting for is ready to appear. You know, it's like it's it's manifested. You've a long wait, you know, waiting for things over a long period of time and now seeing that they're they're coming to fruition. That comes to my mind as well, but not without some kind of... Um, test or test of patience or metal or uh, a, a, some kind of affront to your uh, to your very being that might present itself at the same time with that sun Mars square to Saturn. So I thought I would do something interesting today in addition to presenting all of this uh, you know these thoughts about the dignities, which is uh, I'm going to um, I'm going to cast the I Ching live while I'm talking, and I'm going to pull one tarot card live while I'm talking. And we're going to see how that reading uh, contributes to what we are talking about. So I'm going to do the I Ching first, and I'm not going to, I'm going to, I'm just, uh, I'm not going to pull it up on the screen. I'm just going to do it, and then um, I'll tell you about the reading. Hmm, <clears throat> nice. Okay, so... So the I Ching reading, and I'll just like, I'm going to actually like type this in so that you guys can look it up if you want to. Uh, let me just get a banner up. So I just asked the question to the I Ching that I had ready to go in a, an online I Ching um, 
uh, program that I use sometimes. I like to use coins or Yarrow stocks if I have enough time, but um, certainly, uh, you know, this works just as well in my experience. But anyway, I just asked, how can we think about the power of Jupiter and Venus in the sky right now, given all that is going on? So the first hexagram is that came back is number 57. So I'm going to put this up on the screen. If you want to look this up and read more about this particular hexagram in the I Ching, um, I recommend it because it might be a good meditation for you that uh, is meaningful this week. Anyway, so I'm going to read you the um, some of the uh, text analysis and uh, offer some reflections. So this one is sometimes called sun, the gentle, the penetrating, and it is wind over wind. So it's a doubled trigram with um, the upper three lines representing the trigram of wind and the lower three lines also representing the trigram of wind. Sun is one of the eight doubled trigrams. It is the eldest daughter and symbolizes wind or wood. It has for its attributes gentleness, which nonetheless penetrates like the wind or like growing wood with its roots. The dark principle, in itself rigid and immovable, she's talking about yin now, is dissolved by the penetrating light principle to which it subordinates itself in gentleness. In nature, it is the wind that disperses the gathered clouds, leaving the sky clear and serene. In human life, it is penetrating clarity of judgment that thwarts all dark hidden motives. In the life of community, it is the powerful influence of a great personality that uncovers and breaks up those intrigues which shun the light of day. The gentle, this is the judgment portion, success through what is small. It furthers one to have somewhere to go. It furthers one to see the great person. Penetration produces gradual and inconspicuous effects. It should be affected not by an act of violation, but by influence that never lapses. Results of this kind are less striking to the eye than those won by surprise attack, but they are much more enduring and complete. If one would produce such effects, one must have a clearly defined goal, for only when the penetrating influence works always in the same direction can the object be attained. Small strength can achieve its purpose only by subordinating itself to an eminent person who's capable of creating order. The image wins following one another, one on the other, the image of the gently penetrating. Thus, the superior person spreads his commands abroad and carries out his undertakings. Sometimes there's almost like a military um, connotation to some of these or like a leadership connotation because the I Ching was used um, as a form of advice for um, po like politicians and rulers within this kind of Taoist Confucian background of ancient China. Anyway, the penetrating quality of the wind depends on its ceaselessness. This is what makes it so powerful. Time is its instrument. In the same way the ruler's thought should penetrate the soul of the people, this too requires a lasting influence brought about by enlightenment and command. Only when the command has been assimilated, assimilated by the people is action in accordance with it possible. So what I love about this hexagram, I get this hexagram frequently as a parent. I have asked questions about how to get through or how to parent through a difficult moment with my kids. And one of the things that will come back is hexagram 57. Uh, sometimes I use the tarot, sometimes I use astrology, but what I always take from hexagram 57 is that I've been coming at it too directly, too forcefully, trying to assert or impress my view, my principle upon my kids, as opposed to modeling it, uh, which is not easy. And I know that's just like the tritest thing in the world to say when, you know, whatever the kids are screaming and you feel like you're having a nervous breakdown. But it's still true, which is that modeling our principles and gently 
letting them influence and change behavior over time is almost always better than a nuclear moment of trying to impress the Jupiterian rule, the higher principle, even if it is a good one, right? It's Jupiterian upon my kids. I have, I've gotten that hexagram a bunch as a dad. Other times that I've gotten that hexagram in the past have been when I feel like there's an intractable person who can't see things in the way that is actually like, right. It's like, no, this is the, this is like the, the right way to see things in a situation. And I, and, and, you know, someone's being stubborn or selfish or whatever, and I'm getting really frustrated. I'm like, I'm trying to work with this person. They're being really selfish and they're not seeing this kind of higher truth that would be good for everyone. Like, you know, something like that. Hexagram 57 will come back and say, um, your self-righteousness isn't going to help anything. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, gentle modeling and influence over time wins hearts and souls. Okay, so a simple truth that immediately the I Ching, as I'm, I'm casting it live, right? Beautiful oracular response. Here the I Ching says something like, look, right now we've got the sun and Mars in a Jupiter-ruled fire sign squaring Saturn in a, you know, um, in a uh, double-bodied Jupiterian water sign with a debilitated Mercury and you might be feeling the need to, you might be hot-headed, or you might be dealing with people that are sort of intractable or stubborn, or you might be trying to um, uh, assert your will and your ideas too forcefully. So Jupiter and Taurus retrograding third quarter, Venus crossing the south node of the moon. It's time for us, not that we have the wrong ideas, but we have the wrong way of trying to assert them. Our tone of voice isn't right. Our approach is too dogmatic, too hard-headed, too self-righteous. There's something in the sky right now that supports a gentle, easy hand because the stubborn, dogmatic, assertive, fanatical way, even if there is some truth to it, isn't going to work. So I read that as a pretty simple, nice dovetail with what's going on. Now, there's a changing line. The changing line is line five. The changing line reads, determination has settled into a steady course toward good fortune. That was no way to start, but it will lead to a glorious ending. Consider any crossroad three days before pressing on. Check your bearings for three days following to ensure you won't have strayed from your course. So the fifth line is always the ruling line of the hexagram. Uh, and it sort of represents like the, the king. And we're talking here about a, like a good king or queen. Uh, the the um the line that changing line is just saying things might not have started out so great like and again maybe we hit some rocks this week with mars and saturn square uh with uh, mars and the sun square saturn maybe there was some bumpiness maybe we didn't get off to the right start or we didn't get off on the right foot or whatever this line says once you've kind of checked yourself and you realize the steady slow process oriented gentle but persistent like the wind uh, way of moving, you'll reach your goal. It'll be okay. However, the hexagram does change into 18, which is repairing the damage, which is a warning. If you have gone too far, if you keep persisting, you're going to have a mess to clean up. You're going to have damaged someone or something, including yourself or your own position. And you'll have to clean it up later. Or the other uh, side of hexagram 18 uh, in repairing the damage would be don't forget, you're on the right steady course, but because you got off to a little bit of a rocky start, you may have some damage to, you know, like there, there may be some hurt feelings or some a little bit of a mess that you have to clean up. So don't forget to do that. So that's hexagram 18 if you want to look that one up too. Brilliant, right? All right, now let's go ahead. We're going to cast one tarot card and see what the tarot might add in. 
I also want to say there seems to be every time I, I mentioned this on my Instagram last week, uh, every time that, um, sorry, here's my cards. Uh, every time that I include the tarot, there are usually a few people who will make a comment. It's like without fail that they believe that tarot is inferior to astrology. Um, so first of all, uh, I couldn't disagree more. I see tarot as one of many beautiful, valid, intelligent forms of divination. Mostly people think that tarot is inferior to astrology because they think that astrology is a science and that tarot is a form of divination. Well, on this channel, you will find a person who believes very deeply that astrology is nothing more than a form of divination. It's not some special science that's better than anything else. It is a form of divination, and I believe divination is a, a, a very beautiful and highly intelligent uh, form of epistemology, right? There's a, there's a way of knowing truth that belongs to divination, all different traditions of divination all around the world. And I think astrology participates in that legacy of epistemology. I think you can camp astrology in a divinatory way of knowing that is like its own epistemological category. And that's what my book is about. That's what the book is about that I'm writing right now. And also, um, you know, when I see people saying things like, oh, God, you brought in the tarot. How terrible. It's so, you know, it's so it's beneath astrology. I'm like, you know what? Uh, honestly, like uh, not only do I think that that's super shitty and it's just annoying and rude, but it's just ignorant. So if you're if you're one of those people, and I don't mean to be like um, you know calling anyone out or getting really antagonistic or whatever, but it's like you know if if you're one of those people, like you probably shouldn't watch this channel. <laughs> you know, rather than saying really crappy things, if I include the I Ching or tarot, just like change the channel. But anyway, aside from my little rant, I know that most of the people here uh, appreciate different forms of divination, and while you may like it uh, that we mostly stick to astrology, um, you'll be you may be surprised to know that. 50 to 60%, if I had to guess, of my uh, daily talks when I prepare every morning before my talk through meditation, prayer, writing out what I'm going to speak for the day. Those These talks are informed by me usually casting a card or two and the I Ching in exactly the way that I'm doing for you live right now. So I'm just showing you what it's like when I don't use it as part of my prep, but it is part of my prep quite regularly and helps inform the way that I approach talking about the astrological archetypes. So put that in your book. <laughs> All right. So um, we're going to just pull up one card. I'm, I don't like uh, for the, often what I do is single cards, uh, single card pulls. So um, and we're just, again, approaching from the standpoint of getting more insight about Venus and Jupiter's role in the astrology of this week. Aha. So the card I pulled was the Ace of Pentacles. I like this because it's almost like, to me, this gives a very different angle from the one that I Ching gives. Uh, one thing that's also really interesting here is about the potential for something to be, um, to be, when I think of the Ace of Pentacles, I quite frequently think about the seeding point. Of course, aces are like that, if you know the tarot. Um, Aces often represent beginnings. They're a little bit, I think of ace cards a little bit like the new moon, although it depends on which suit we're talking about. But the ace of pentacles will quite frequently represent the seeding point of something that can become fertile. It's very earthy. So I think of Jupiter and Taurus stationing and turning direct. 
well, Venus crosses the south node in the midst of this and being like, you know, we should be really, one of the reasons we might want to be careful and cautious about any kind of principled ideological conflicts that we run into right now is that this is a seeding moment that has the opportunity to grow uh, into something in the future. And so being careful and having, being tactful and careful right now um, with what we're doing and how we're doing it is important because I see this card as offering us the starting point of something that can grow. And you want to be mindful with starting points because they, they, you know, the seed of the cycle is intimately tied to the fruit that the cycle bears. And so we're, we're reaching some interesting transitional space. I do think of, for example, as I mentioned earlier, Jupiter turning direct, Venus crossing the south node as the fruit that's coming um, from a cycle that has a real history behind it. And it's, it, it has the feeling of the end of a cycle. But what I like about the ace is that, you know, there's a, there's like a revolving door between endings and beginnings. And so the integrity, the care, the patience, the, the gentle, persistent, peaceful manner in which we approach conflicts or whether they're ideological or religious, or they're, you know, rooted in our principles or beliefs, those conflicts coming up, if you handle them with care, can move us in seamlessly into the start of a new cycle that um, can bear fruit in time, that can become prosperous or um, that, that has a, a promise of fertility behind it. That's interesting. It's as though we're on the brink of a time that may be very fertile. Uh, but how we handle it is really important. When you combine, when I combine that, because I, I always juxtapose the symbolism, right? So take that alongside the I Ching and everything uh, else we've been saying today. And what I get is this sense of like, handle this with care. Um, and you have something that in time can bear fruit. That's an interesting thing to think about. There's a real fertility in the air too. Venus and Jupiter are the planets that were associated, both of them, the benefics, with the ideal conditions within which plants can grow, babies can grow. So there's maybe there's also a, a kind of a message of this being a very fertile moment with the potential to become prosperous or abundant in time. Um, but that probably depends, again, given the juxtaposition of hexagram 57 of being gentle and persistent over a long period of time with something um, that's manifesting. It, it, the, and again, the reason I would think about that is that the, the hexagram 57 is so much about slow, persistent efforts that deliver results in time, not through forceful, sudden actions. That we might be wanting to resist the temptation of that right now because maybe that's not the thing that's going to get the cycle to grow or the seed to uh, bear the best fruit. Now, that's my creative take on the uh, the cards uh, or the the card that I drew, the Ace of Pentacles. But I would love to hear from you guys in the comments section. Given what we've been talking about today, is there some other way that you see the Ace of Pentacles maybe speaking right now? I know lots of you love the tarot. Some of you probably have been using it for way longer than I have. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that card and how it may play a role right now. Um, or anything else that we brought up today. If you're someone who knows the I Ching, please do contribute your thoughts uh, about the hexagram that we pulled. Anyway, before we go, don't forget, we have a goal of 1,777 backers by the new year. If you haven't taken a moment yet, hit the link in the comment section or the description of this video. Head over to the Kickstarter, pick up one of our rewards, pick up a huge discount on any of our online programs or bundle them together. Um, pick up my new book, you know, uh, pitch in, support the channel. We do, we try to do a lot of good things 
There's a ton of love that goes into this channel to make sure that it is spiritually substantive and fun and uplifting. And so if you like it and if you get that from it, if it's a part of your spiritual support system in life, then please consider supporting us. All right, that's it for today. Hope you guys have a good one. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye.